Over the last several days, in light of the recent Supreme Court ruling, I've received numerous Facebook messages, voice memos through our podcast app, and for those who have my personal number, text messages about the concern that emergency contraception may be misapplied or misunderstood as a abortive patient, in other words, as a pro-abortion medication. So I thought we'd set the record straight, because while no one is really concerned about Plan B, because leaving her just after all, is a progestin boost, but there seems to be some confusion about the progesterone receptor modulator, ELA, or early pristal. So let's focus on ELA's mechanism of action. Does this cause termination of an existing pregnancy or not? Let's see what the data shows and let's clear the air up regarding ELA right now. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Emergency contraception is contraception. It is preventative. No emergency contraceptive agent will stop an existing pregnancy. Here's why this is super important. I mean, it's important to all of us, obviously, in women's health, because the need for emergency contraception is there. We've got to have it. But I'm also the medical director for our College of Nursing's SANE program. That's the forensic nursing program. And point-of-care dispension of either Plan B or ELA, which is what's definitely preferred and what I prefer, is vital when those patients have unprotected sexual intercourse. So it means something to me, and it needs to mean something to you, because the way that we deal with all of these issues is two ways. One, having more access to available contraception. We've got to take away these roadblocks. And I'm all in favor of making this thing over the counter or at least pharmacist guided or pharmacist dispensed. And second, it's the clearing up of misinformation around emergency contraception. Now, because I want to relate this to point of care distribution, I'm not going to get really into the copper tea, even though ACOG states that the mechanism of action of copper tea is still tubal and sperm dysfunction, not really an effect on implantation. But I want to focus on ELA because that's the one that seems to be in these last few days being called out as potentially, quote, pro-abortion, end quote, or pro-termination. And I'm not sure where that comes from. I I understand the idea that it's a receptor, progestin receptor modulator, and that could put an established pregnancy at risk, but there's no basis for that. So just to be clear, I want to talk about Ella, knowing, of course, that Plan B is out there and Copper T is out there, but Ella is the one that's taking some of the hits right now. So that's why I'm focusing on early Pristol in this session. The ability to control fertility through the use of effective and safe contraception is essential in preventative medicine. A recent study calculated that fulfilling the unmet contraceptive needs worldwide would reduce maternal mortality by nearly a third. Emergency contraception includes contraceptive methods that can be used after UPSI. That's unprotected sexual intercourse. But it's not just about unprotected sexual intercourse. Emergency contraception, of course, can be used after failed usual birth control or after sexual assault to prevent an undesired pregnancy. 
Oral hormonal emergency contraceptive pills have almost no medical contraindication. They're safe and they're highly accepted by women and may reduce the risk of unintended pregnancy anywhere from 75 up to 85%. However, there are many barriers to widespread access and to use of emergency contraception, including what we're trying to tackle right now, misinformation or lack of knowledge about the mechanism of action. UPA, or ulipristal acetate, is a selective progesterone receptor modulator. It has both agonistic and antagonistic effects on the progesterone receptor and has been specifically developed for emergency contraception as a 30 milligram single oral tablet. Clinical trials comparing UPA with levonorgestrel as emergency contraception have demonstrated that UPA significantly reduces the pregnancy rate after unprotected sexual intercourse and prevented more pregnancies than the traditional gold standard of levonorgestrel. Ella should be taken within 120 hours of the sexual event, with the sooner the better for enhanced efficacy. The FDA states on its label that, quote, Ella is not indicated for the termination of an existing pregnancy, end quote. So that's an important clinical pearl that I can't just gloss over. Ella, or Olipristal, does seem to perform better than Plan B. But it's all trades and balances, right? Pros and cons. Because Plan B is available over the counter. You can get it at any time. And Ella right now still requires a prescription, although you can get that also through telemedicine. And that's why, by expert opinion, ulipristal acetate is recommended as first-line oral treatment for emergency contraception because of its higher efficacy and the similar rate of side effects when compared to levonorgestrel. The exact pharmacological mechanism of action of ulipristal is still under debate, even though there is good evidence that the main mechanism of action is inhibition of ovulation, whereas a post-fertilization effect has not been shown, some still consider the latter to also be possible because of that progesterone receptor effect. But we're going to set the record straight right now. Okay, I'm going to have to touch back some basic chemistry here and science about the menstrual cycle real quick because we've got to do that so that we can see where ulipristal fits in. Ulipristal, based on its chemistry, is a derivative of 19-norprogesterone. The half-life after oral intake is 32 hours, and it binds to plasma proteins about 99%. It is metabolized by cytochrome P450. In the follicular phase of menstrual cycle, the gonadotropins FSH and LH levels obviously increase. FSH promotes the differentiation of the primary follicle to the secondary follicle and acts on the granulosa cells, stimulating them to convert testosterone into estradiol. This is released to support follicular growth. In the pre-ovulatory phase, estradiol levels increase and stimulate the hypothalamus, resulting in increased secretion of LH. In particular, estrogens exert a positive feedback stimulating de novo progesterone synthesis within the hypothalamus to trigger the LH surge. This LH surge acts on theca cells by stimulating the proteolytic activity, resulting in follicular rupture. Ovulation typically occurs anywhere from 12 to 24 hours after the LH peak and around 24 to 26 hours after the estradiol peak. 
This short, fertile window typically begins about five days before and the day of ovulation, but it stops at 24 hours after the ovulatory process. And here's where Ella comes in. When administered in this mid-follicular phase with about a 10 to 100 milligram dose of ulipristol and with a follicle diameter of 14 to 16 millimeters, that's just before ovulation, then it's been shown that there's a dose-dependent delay in the time interval from treatment to follicular rupture and suppression of estradiol. The take-home, it prevents or delays ovulation. Now, on the other hand, if administered when the size of the leading follicle is greater than 18 millimeters, that's the typical size of a graphene follicle, follicular rupture failed to occur within five to six days following treatment based on the current studies that we have. So the block or the delay in ovulation has occurred in 100% of women who have these very low levels of LH because the LH peak has already happened and in 79% of women with increasing LH levels. In other words, it either blocks it if it's about to release or delays it if it's going to take the next 24 hours to get ready. So whether the LH levels are low or they're high in the pre-ovulatory phase, Ella works. And here's a clinical pearl. Brouch et al. in 2013 actually demonstrated that at the time of the LH surge, ulipristol is much more effective than levonorgestrel and obviously compared to placebo in preventing ovulation. This demonstrates that UPA is effective even when administered shortly before ovulation or at time of ovulation to block it from happening. Okay, that's fine. Ella works. It prevents or delays ovulation. Wah! Got it. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the effects of progesterone on the endometrium and its ability to impact implantation. Is that a thing? Because that seems to be the debate here. All right, everybody calm down, calm down. Let me just get to the punch here. No, it doesn't. But let me show you that data now. During the luteal phase, the corpus luteum stimulates the production of progesterone, which creates favorable conditions for the implantation of the fertilized egg in the endometrium. This consists of an accumulation of glycogen and lipid granules in the cytoplasm of stromal cells that undergo what's called the decidual transformation. While the effects of UPA and ovulation are well recognized, the controversy arises on its potential mechanism of action on endometrium receptivity. Now, in contrast with levonorgestrel, which there is a unanimous opinion that has no effect on pregnancy because it's a progesterone boost, UPA becomes the target of this discussion because it functions as a progesterone receptor modulator. The effect of UPA on human implantation has actually been pretty extensively studied and verified. This is used in vitro three-dimensional endometrial models because obviously it can't be studied in vivo, although there is in vivo data that I'm going to tell you about in just a minute. With this in vitro model, it has been shown that there's no significant difference in the attachment of embryos following pretreatment with UPA compared with controls, and there's also no observable degenerative changes in the embryos. Moreover, it's been published by Berger back in 2015 that the level of genes of several factors believed to be vital for embryo implantation remain unaltered in the endometrial construct after exposure to UPA at doses that are higher than that used for emergency contraception. 
in the drug's package information and in the data released by the FDA, it states that Ella exposure during pregnancy has actually been tracked in both the U.S. and in Europe from 1999 to 2015, and it was part of this analysis that's done for post-market research. The FDA states that data of pregnancies with known outcomes have been analyzed and there's been no cases of maternal or fetal deaths reported, although these data do not allow estimation of the prevalence rate of any congenital malformations associated with the inadvertent use of Ella in pregnancy, or there's no determination of a casual relationship between reported anomalies and Ella, they have shown that Ella-exposed pregnancies have not been associated with any specific pattern or increased risk of adverse outcomes, and that includes loss. Just to reiterate, this stands from the American College of OBGYN, quote, using emergency contraception does not cause an abortion, stated another way, will not end an existing pregnancy. The college states, it does not work if pregnancy has already occurred, end quote. All right, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. Hope that settles and clears up some of the misperceptions and misinformation regarding olipristal acetate. Seems to be much more effective than levonorgestrel, although levonorgestrel has the advantage of being available over the counter. According to the college, the most effective emergency contraceptive method is insertion of the copper T that can be done up to 120 hours. There's also data that insertion of the progesterone releasing IUD also is just as effective. But again, the traditional is the copper T. The main mechanism of action there is disruption in sperm and tubal function. As always, thanks for being part of our podcast family, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.